Welcome to the Gridiron Goodies Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Scott. On today's episode, I will recap the games from this past divisional round weekend. I'll hold myself accountable as we do a little bet busting. Then I'll wrap up with some news you need to know. All coming up on this week's episode of the divisional wrap up. Now, some people like to argue that the divisional round is the best round in the playoffs. I used to chuckle at those people, but there's no doubt their argument just got a little stronger with this past weekend. All four games delivered. We had some nail-biting finishes, a fair amount of lead swaps, and even some kicker drama. Let's go ahead and dive into it all, starting off with Baltimore bullying the Texans 34-10 at home. Houston played well in the first half, especially on defense as they were able to keep things tight on the scoreboard, eventually knotting it all up at 10 with a long punt return by Steven Sims for a touchdown. Out of the half, though, was a different story altogether. The Ravens' offense could not be stopped with long, methodical drives through the air and on the ground. Lamar did a great job of taking whatever was given to him from the defense. He scrambled quite a bit and even rushed for 100 yards to go along with his two scores on the day. But it never really felt like he was scrambling to escape pressure. More so, it felt like a choice. Maybe it's just the way he does it. He seems to pause time and just dance around everyone as they stand there watching it happen. It's unreal, honestly. And I'd wish they put this team on primetime more often. I feel like Lamar only gets respect this time of year and kind of goes forgotten during the season while Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen's stories all saturate the media waves. After this game, and this season, his name cannot be left out of these discussions any longer. As for the rest of this game, the Ravens' defense really clamped down in the passing game and made things very difficult for C.J. Stroud and the Texans' offense to try to mount a comeback. While they didn't record any sacks officially, they did a great job of bringing pressure and forcing Stroud to make quick decisions, which ultimately led to stalled drives and a fair amount of punts. Overall, this Texans team was just outmatched on the field and on the sidelines, and while their season ends now, they still have a lot to be proud of. C.J. Stroud didn't melt under the pressure from this game, he made solid decisions, and had zero turnovers. I'd say they have their guy at quarterback. They have solid pieces to build around on offense and defense, and now they have a playoff loss to galvanize them. This team should be contenders for the foreseeable future. As for the Ravens, they seem to be unstoppable, and honestly, even though I do have an affinity for the Niners, I do believe this is Lamar's year, and they're going to win it all. Moving on, we had the aforementioned Niners victory over the Packers in a tight one, 24-21. This was the close nail-biter that I expected with the Houston and Baltimore matchup. I honestly did not expect the Packers to challenge this 49ers team as much as they did. If not for a missed field goal and a game-ending interception, they very well could have toppled the conference powerhouse. On offense, they generally moved the ball well, relying heavily on the running game with Aaron Jones, and he delivered, breaking free for a big 53-yarder, averaging 6 yards per carry, and ending his day with over 100 yards. But as was the narrative for both of these teams, he struggled to find the end zone. While they were able to find some success on the ground, the passing game was a bit of a roller coaster. Jordan Love played well at times and established a great connection with Romeo Dobbs, who almost cracked 100 yards on the day, but Love also played poorly at times and his lack of playoff experience showed, as he was picked off twice by Dre Greenlaw, one being the aforementioned game sealer, which was an absolutely boneheaded decision on his part, forcing a pass 
that didn't need to be forced. There was still a good amount of time left on the clock, and those types of risks weren't necessary at that time. On defense, they did a great job of bringing pressure and forcing bad decisions upon Brock Purdy as well. Rashawn Gary on the edge and Carl Brooks up the middle proved to be meddlesome. However, this unit also squandered opportunities, as Darnell Savage dropped a sure pick six early in this game. Overall, this Packers team, much like Houston, has a ton of positives to build on heading into this offseason now. With this experience added to their resume, they too should be contenders for the foreseeable future. As for the 49ers, this was a very flat and underwhelming performance from all three phases of the game, and I'm definitely concerned about them moving forward. It was hard to tell if the Packers' defense was just playing that much better or if the Niners were just not executing like they're used to. Either way, this left a bad taste in my mouth, and now they have an extremely difficult matchup against a team that has just about as much positive energy surrounding them as you can. This should not go overlooked. Moving on, we had the Lions' 31-23 victory at home over the visiting Buccaneers. This was one of the more back-and-forth games of the weekend, as almost every time the Lions tried to pull away, Baker and the Bucks would answer right back with a score of their own. All but once, which ended up being the difference in this game. Both offenses moved the ball well in this matchup. Goff threw for almost 300 yards and scored twice, while Baker threw for almost 350 yards and scored three times. The Bucks offense revolved around Mike Evans and Rashad White, much like all season. And much like all season, they were both very productive and scored. The Lions offense was a little more balanced, revolving around both their running game and their passing attack. David Montgomery was held in check for the most part up the middle, but Jameer Gibbs on the outside was not. He had over 100 all-purpose yards and a score. Through the air, St. Brown and Laporta were the main targets, with Amon Ra finding the end zone. On defense, they brought a ton of pressure, resulting in four sacks, half of which came from the safety position, and no doubt helped force Baker into making bad decisions, turning the ball over twice. Overall, I think that Baker had a great year, and I hope that that team decides to bring him back in the offseason. Mike Evans' contract is also up, and I'd love to see him return as well as both of these guys make this Bucks team watchable. As for the Lions, I'm extremely happy for that team, and for that city. I was a small child the last time the Lions were relevant like this, and I'm all for it now. The vibe surrounding this entire organization is pretty amazing, and bringing this type of energy into this next matchup might prove to be a disaster for the Niners next week. Moving on, we had our last game of the weekend, as the Chiefs narrowly knocked off the Bills 27-24. In my preview, I stated that this game was going to come down to whoever possessed the ball last, and I was proven wrong, as the Bills had a chance to tie it up and head into possible overtime at the end. But their kicker, Tyler Bass, shanked a 44-yard field goal attempt, crushing the souls of Bills Mafia in sort of an anticlimactic fashion. Josh Allen and this Bills offense really struggled through the air. Stephon Diggs was mostly a non-factor yet again, as he came away with three catches for only 21 yards. He is making way too much money for these kinds of stats, especially in a playoff game. I expect this to be addressed in the offseason. Something is definitely wrong with his chemistry, or lack thereof, with Josh Allen. It makes me think there was some fire with that smoke last year. Anyway, back to this game. Even though their passing attack was struggling, they were able to find success on the ground, with Allen yet again leading this room with 72 yards and two scores. This is not sustainable 
and is a big reason why they aren't moving on. Josh Allen cannot be your entire offense. As for the Chiefs, they have a much more balanced attack on offense. Isaiah Pacheco had a 6.5 yards per carry average as he closed in on 100 yards and a score. Through the air, Kelsey was reliable and scored twice. This might be the most dangerous this team has ever been. No, they aren't the same team that routinely drops 40 burgers like we're used to, but this is the most balanced they have ever been. They have a reliable rushing attack and a reliable defense. It's not just about Mahomes anymore. And I'm super excited to see how the Ravens decide to play against this next week. And with that said, that will wrap up the recap portion of today's episode. Let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. Welcome back. Now we'll head on down to my best bets. I went 2 for 5 yet again on our straight 5 bets, as Cade Otten and Khalil Shakir both scored, and the rest did not. Moving on to my parlay bets, Aaron Jones and Gus Edwards did not score and tanked the first parlay. The Texans not covering tanked our second parlay. As yet again, we went 0 for 2 here. Overall, we hit our goal and actually made a little dough due to the odds we got on the straight bets. We have only 2 weeks left, and I'd really like to nail one of these parlays, before the season ends. Moving on to the news you need to know, we'll start off with all the coaching news hitting the wire lately. The Jaguars hired new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, previously from the Falcons. Chicago hired Shane Waldron as their new offensive coordinator, previously from Seattle. Down in Tennessee, the Titans intend to hire Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, as their new head coach. In Carolina, the Panthers hired Dan Morgan, who used to play linebacker for them for seven years, as their new GM. And up in Philadelphia, the Eagles seem to be cleaning house. They fired defensive coordinator Sean Desai, and have decided not to bring back their offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. Eagles brass will meet with Nick Sirianni tomorrow to discuss his future as head coach. And lastly, in some transactional news, the Lions signed Zach Ertz to their practice squad. And with that said, That'll do it for today's episode. I will return as usual on Friday for the preview. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time.